1: Citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show! Let me just take these out of my fridge. <laughs> That's coming to you inside a refrigerator in case of an atomic blast.
0: It's a good thing you cleared all that stuff out, because you wouldn't want to be in the fridge with stuff. That's
1: right. I need all the space I, I can get. For my boots and my hat and my whip.
0: Just make sure you don't accidentally drop anything in front of the door so you can close it behind you.
1: That's a very good point, and I don't think a blast would hit that fast. Like I understand it would hit very, very quickly, but like not fast enough for you like to move an orange out of the way from blocking <laughs> your fridge door. Those are valuable seconds. I guess they are, but lucky for me, I'm going to survive whatever comes at me because I'm in a fridge. That's
0: how fridges work, Dave.
1: And I think we're gonna need like these basic survival skills of crawling into a fridge because this week we are talking about 2008's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, directed once again by the Steven Fucking Spielberg. Never heard of him. I have no idea who it is. We've been saying his name for the past four weeks. We should have looked this guy up. I thought it was Spielberg. Spielberg man. Spielberg man does whatever a Spielberg man can. (laughs) <laughs> have you ever seen this thing before
0: i have seen this the last time i saw it was in theaters and this was your intro to indiana jones this was my first one yeah and you know what i still feel the same way now as i did about it then and that would be i think it's pretty good well there you have it i enjoy it plenty what
1: about you have you seen this before this is my third time seeing it saw it in theaters or fourth time seeing it maybe not important saw it in theaters liked it saw it on DVD after it came out, didn't like it, saw it again, liked it, saw it this time, still like it. All right. I was afraid it was going to go back to didn't like it. No, I was a little afraid of that too, but when we go into these things, we watch it with a blank slate, nice clear eyes. Exactly. There's a lot I don't like. There's a lot that I really, really like. (laughs) Yeah, there's some things in here that aren't perfect, that's for sure. No, no, this movie is very, very far from perfect, and if anyone calls it perfect, you tell them to get the fuck out right now. (laughs) Get off of my... Whatever we're on right now.
0: <laughs> just want to get into this thing, because I feel like this is going to be a busy one. This is going to be one that's get, Yeah, let's just get into it. Nevada, 1957. A U.S. Army convoy pulls up to Hangar 51, which you may remember from the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. The problem is, hangars closed for the next 24 hours for quote-unquote weapons testing. I wonder what that could be. We'll never find out, I'm sure. But that doesn't stop these guys. They opened fire on the gate soldiers, and I'm beginning to think these are not good
1: guys. Now, are you saying they're not good guys because they got into a formation and lit up everybody who was guarding the gate? Or did they, like, say, oh, you're a mama in whatever
0: Russian. I don't, I don't speak Russian. <laughs> I don't have a Russian. I have a Russian, but I don't know any Russian words, so that makes it difficult. If he dies, he dies. That's not even Russian. That's just a
1: different inflection on words. It's like, that's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's just... Deeper. That's it. <laughs> I tried the lung grin, and it didn't work.
0: And I apologize to Dolph, most of all. Dave's Dolph impression is just, Dave, deeper. That's it. <laughs> if he dies, he dies. That's better. You had the little tongue roll in there. That's important. You got to get the, 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 the all in the tongue. In Mother Russia, tongue does you. Are you saying that in America, you does tongue? You does tongue in America.
1: I like it. <laughs> Put that on a state flag and smoke it. What state
0: do you think that would be the motto of? Florida, easily. Yeah, It's always That was a dumb question. (laughs) (laughs) That was a pretty obvious answer there. So this convoy rolls on into the base and unloads a pair of hostages from the trunk of their car. One George Mack McHale, played by Ray Winston, and one Henry Indiana Jones Jr., played by Harrison fucking 66 years old Ford. Yeah, he doesn't look a day over 65. Good for him. Good for him. Colonel Antonin Dovchenko, played by Igor Jijikin. <laughs> I have it spelled phonetically and still can't do it. I see
1: it on this cheat sheet as Jijikin. It is Jijikin, yeah. Igor Jijikin. And it is spelled J-I-J-I-K-I-N-E. But when you look at it, the amount of dots going across the screen because of the lowercase i, lowercase j, lowercase i, lowercase j, all that. Not it's just It is so it difficult to read.
0: It definitely throws you off.
1: I gotta imagine if that dude's, like, doing autographs or whatever, at a point he's just stabbing the paper to dot letters.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's very Russian of him, I assume. I don't know. In Mother Russia, I dot you! I'm gonna allow that one. Yeah, I think that one works. (laughs) Clearly not an American colonel. This guy starts interrogating Indy about his knowledge of the location, but Indy stays tight-lipped. Enter Colonel Dr. Irina Spelko, played by Kate fucking Blanchett. I was worried you weren't going to give it to her for this. Oh no, she gets it always and forever. Good, we're on the same page here, that's good. She's the real brains of the operation, and you know that because she tries to read Indy's brain, like with psychic powers. Yeah, that's kind of weird. And he laughs at her in spite of all the wacky shit that he's seen. Yeah, that's also
1: kind of weird. And we're going to get there for the whole movie. That there's been some (laughs) wacky shit that we've seen in three previous movies, and... All of a sudden, you want this to be a little more realistic for some reason,
0: audience? I don't know why. I mean, we will definitely get there, but I have an argument that this might be the most grounded of the Indiana Jones movies. And I'm very curious about whatever you have to say, but we will get there. They all head into the hangar where Spalco forces Indy at gunpoint to direct them to the crate they seek. And he's like, lady, I have no idea where it is. And she says, really? And he's like, all right, give me gunpowder. I'll find it. This movie's a lot of Indy saying, give me this, give
1: me this, give me this. And it happens just repeatedly throughout this movie. And people just and keep people giving just him give stuff. him stuff.
0: It's pretty impressive.
1: Like, if Indy ever lost his tenure for probably sleeping with a student, let's face it, he could just go on a street corner and be like, give me money, give me money. And people will, probably.
0: Yeah, most likely. Although I think his sleeping with student days are behind him. <laughs> That's what you think. He <laughs> could probably just say, give me my job back, and they would. They
1: probably would. You're right. That would actually be the more logical leap instead of just going
0: straight to homeless. I don't know if logic is on Indy's side in this movie. Also fair. So the Russian soldiers give Indy gunpowder, which he throws into the air, and it leads them in the direction of the crate because magnets. How do
1: they work? How do they work? I have no idea. And also, why is this magnet not affecting anything that's in a hand ever? Or anywhere, like a gun just off a body? Or just whatever it might be. It's just one of those really,
0: really convenient magnets. It turns out the wooden crate that it's in is doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. Oh, yes. So they find the crate, crack it open, which makes everything even more magnetic. <laughs>
1: that's right. As we know, magnets don't work well through wood?
0: That's the whole premise of Doctor Who, I believe. <laughs> that's
1: right. I'm pretty sure. Fezzes are cool. Magnets don't work well through wood. It's only two rules that i throw show at. Sonic screwdrivers don't work
0: on wood? I don't remember. Anyway. Everything's bigger on the inside. That's the whole point. Including this crate because inside is some sort of humanoid figure in a giant puffy jacket. It's all real <laughs> wild stuff. What's bad is when I saw the
1: the little creature in the puffy jacket, my first thought was George Costanza going Gore-Tex. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happens right after you rewatch Seinfeld is that shit is just embedded in your head now for forever again.
0: Yeah, of course. So it's just popping up repeatedly. Indy steals a gun from one of the soldiers and points it at Spelko, but it turns out Mac is working for the Soviets. Double cross. Got him. Naturally, all hell breaks loose, and it turns into a whole complicated chase inside a warehouse with a bunch of Russians who are terrible shots and a 60-something-year-old archaeology professor outrunning them all and trying to be Spider-Man. And I have some issues with this, and I want to get this just addressed
1: right away. Harrison Ford is really old in this movie for being Indiana Jones.
0: Yes, he is.
1: They do a thing where you see this man running on top of these crates, but you cannot see this man's face ever because his face is just very much in a shadow the entire time, and it is noticeable.
0: (laughs) Hey, that's really weird that they do that that way.
1: And this keeps coming back also because they keep hiding the face of this stunt man, but they also do these practical stunts still, which look amazing. They really do. do. But it feels like I'm sitting at Universal Studios watching a stunt show for the most part. Like you feel like you're not so much in the movie, but that you're watching something. Yeah, I agree with that. And just about every single one of these stunts, I was aware that it was a stunt in a movie and not Indiana Jones kicking ass.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And
1: there's one later on that's even better. That's an unbelievable stunt with swinging from one level to another and it's awesome. And they use the shadowed face method
0: again. Now it's funny. You say all this because I do have an actual IMDb trivia fact about this exact thing. Did I write it? I don't think you wrote this one. If you did, it's kind of off-brand.
1: I mean, I have seven in this one, by the way, because (laughs) I kept writing saying, at some point they're going to say no. At some point they're going to say no. And I just kept pushing, and they never said
0: no. They just kept saying,
1: yep, that's, that's true. Send it to the internet. And it got to the point that I made one that just
0: said, hi, Brian. And they finally declined, and I went, wow, someone is reading this. That's insane. Also a little upset that Hi, Brian isn't an actual IMDb trivia fact. I apologize. But also, someone is following us, because there are facts
1: now from the past three episodes that we did that are no longer on IMDb. So someone's catching on. on. But you also have like the one random fact of the most banana shit that I typed. There's like, all right, this one's out, this one's out, this one's out. Yeah, mine card sales definitely did go up, though. From this movie. Keep, keep that one in.
0: <laughs> wow, I can't believe they went up that much. That's impressive. It is anyway, impressive.
1: Moving on. Thought we were in a recession, but not minecarts. That and alcohol,
0: recession-proof. The minecarts go up a whole lot, but Alice in Duty, no. No, no, no. Name doesn't have anything to do with poop. That's right. So the actual IMDb trivia fact I have for this. Harrison Ford convinced David Kep to include more jokes about Indy's age in the script believing they would help reduce the, quote, American paranoia about aging. He also refused to dye his hair for the role, arguing Indy's appeal wasn't in his youth, but in his imagination and resourcefulness. Quote, my ambition in action is to have the audience look straight in my face and not the back of a stuntman's head. I hope to continue that no matter how old I get. Well, okay. Good, Harrison Ford. (laughs) I'm glad you feel that way, but having watched the movie, a lot of the back of a stuntman's head happening here. And this movie was filmed 19 years, 18 years
1: after Last Crusade, whatever it was. Harrison Ford, he did age, believe it or not. And in pre-production, while they were doing his hair and his makeup and doing all the camera tests and whatnot, they did kind of darken up his scruff on his face and tan him a little bit. And when Harrison Ford looked at it, he said, that is not me at all. That is not what this character is. We can't do that. This character has to age. Well, that's good. I mean, I appreciate that. He's very self-aware of this character. He created this thing. Right. There's never been a character that he has been deeper involved with. So, yeah,
0: you're going to trust the guy. If anybody knows who Indiana Jones is, it's Harrison Ford. So all this running amuck and swinging from the rafters with a whip eventually lands Indy inside a car, which naturally leads to a car chase. That's yeah, kind of how it usually goes in this, isn't it? Yeah, usually. Of course, tearing through Hangar 51 You're going to reveal a peek at the Ark of the Covenant because we can't have an indie movie without referencing Raiders. It's true. And
1: also, that is the actual Ark of the Covenant from Raiders. Oh, that's cool. George Lucas apparently keeps everything from his movies. So he's a hoarder. Very much so. And they ended up flying it down to L.A. in order to do this shot of it. They had to put security on the Ark of the Covenant because they were so worried about it. Because, yeah, it is an iconic piece of film history. And Steven Spielberg said he has still never looked inside.
0: (laughs) I kind of love that. And I like that they had more security on this than they probably would the actual Ark of the Covenant. Oh,
1: without a doubt.
0: That George Lucas. So the car chase turns into a one-on-one underground bunker fight around a rocket sled with Dovchenko. Are you going to have issues the whole time with this man? It's not even his real name that I actually have a pronunciation problem with. This is just his character name, which is Dovchenko, which is... Should be really easy. It but should be, but you're jaded now because the, the Jajikin. Now I'm nervous. Every single time I get near Jajikin, I get a little bit cautious. Maybe because he looks so much like Chef Robert Irvine. <laughs> it's very, very fair. I'm just afraid he's going to yell at me. Him and his muscles
1: are just going to slap you. Because <laughs> Robert Irvine's a very large man.
0: Yes, he is. I've met him in person. He's
1: huge. I don't want that man making my food. I don't know why.
0: I will say this. He makes very good food. I bet he does, but it's just scary to me. I was wearing a Red Sox shirt at the time, and he was like, boo, Phillies. And I was like, wait, what? Who are you? Oh, what a horrible guy. I, I don't understand. I'm like, aren't you from England? <laughs> Why are you a Phillies fan?
1: Boo,
0: boo, Philadelphia for life. <laughs> Those Brits, they sure do love Philly. You would think they wouldn't, due to history. Right? i Who knows? Probably have a bigger beef with Boston, I guess.
1: What are you talking about history? The
0: best thing that ever happened in signing for Philadelphia
1: was Ryan (laughs) Howard. Nothing else has ever been signed in Philadelphia. You fucking Muppet. I can't tell if that's really good or really bad.
0: It's both. You fucking Muppet. (laughs) You fucking Muppet. (laughs) I feel like it's a little too high pitched. You need to do the same thing you do for Dolph Lundgren. For Dolph Lundgren with Robert Irvine.
1: You want some parsley on there, poster? All right. Maybe it's not that low, but you're, you're fucking close. That's
0: it. actually not bad.
1: It's not great either, by any nope. means. But here we are. Maybe the problem was you didn't imagine me with muscles while doing You it. know what? That would do it. You guys have the same haircut, I think. We are awfully close in the hair. The body its about 100% difference, though.
0: 100% is a stretch. I don't know what 100% less of... Robert Irvine looks like, <laughs> but you're doing better than that.
1: I appreciate that. Gentleman's ninety. A gentleman's ninety percent
0: worse. <laughs> <laughs> so Andy and Dovchenko are fighting around this rocket sled, and Dovchenko gets thrown into a control panel, which everybody knows automatically starts a launch sequence. Correct. So these two are beating the piss out of each other, and it just so happens they wind up on the rocket sled as it's activated. And they get rocketed out into the desert. Not what you want, unless it is what you want. That's true. Andy was about to be pretty surrounded, but instead he just toasted a bunch of people with the exhaust of a of a rocket. He sure did, and we get to see it, and it's awesome. It's pretty awesome. The ride out to the desert knocks out Dovchenko, which gives Indy the chance to get away, finding shelter in a small town. But wait, it's not just any small town. If you've ever played any Call of Duty game in the last twelve years, this town should seem eerily familiar because it's not a town at all. It's a nuclear testing ground inhabited by mannequins and slip and slide technology that wouldn't be released to the public for another four years. That's real. The slip and slide didn't come out until 61. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm, the more you know. But, you know, the military, they always get the cool stuff early.
1: I love the way that this town looks. I love Harrison Ford walking through this bright, colorful town. And I love when he sees the mannequin for the first time. He's like, what the hell? Yeah. But I think it's terrific when he puts it all together after he hears the people talking over the loudspeaker about what's about to happen. Why take the time to wire the loudspeakers
0: into the test
1: ground? You know, just in case anyone at all is there and definitely does not have a chance to escape.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're going to give them 12 seconds to get out
1: of there. What kind of like contractor got that job? Like, what type of electrician? They like call up, like, we're going to need you to wire a PA system into this town we're going to drop a bomb on.
0: <laughs> really? Why? Yeah, also it needs running water and episodes of Howdy Doody.
1: <laughs> it needs to have working electricity for this entire
0: town that we are going to fucking demolish. And we just got to know, uh, you know, what the effects are on people holding hoses. <laughs> for whatever
1: reason... I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I don't hide that. Maybe this is all science stuff, but I think we all can agree that blowing shit up is cool.
0: It is pretty cool. And I'm also not myself something of a scientist. like a you osborne doubt. out. I tried. It's, <laughs> it got a little backwards to get to fit it, but I had right. to make sure I tried. But as we've previously determined, it is the day of the weapons testing, and it's bomb o'clock on bomb day. It sure is. The car of the Soviets that were following Indy takes off, leaving him mere seconds to find shelter. So Indy fridges himself. In the most literal way possible. I have an actual IMDb trivia fact about it, in fact. A fact in fact. You are
1: firing these facts off way too fast. I think we're going to have to do a trade-off where for every one that I let you have, you got to try to suss me out one. Ooh, okay. I like that. At least make it a game because I do have seven. And if we save it until the end, it's just going to be
0: rapid fire bullshit. It's going to be a lot. Yeah. So, okay. So, do you want me to do my fact first and then suss one of yours out? Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. So, this is an actual IMDb trivia fact. The refrigerator scene was a direct ripoff of the original Back to the Future script, which had Marty and Doc engaging in time travel by jumping into a refrigerator near a nuclear bomb site and riding the radioactive waves into another era. This is eventually changed to a plutonium-powered DeLorean. Good change. It's a pretty good change. It's a big change, but a good one. Oh, yeah. Now I have to to pick one of yours? If you can, good luck. Uh, It's going to be tough. Okay. And keep in mind, IMDb approved all these. (laughs) According to IMDb, these are, in fact, facts. Uh Uh-huh. I suspect this is a Dave IMDb trivia fact. Harpo Marx was going to be in this film, but he had to pass on account of him being dead since 1964. Absolutely correct. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Silent, but deadly. Oh, just like the bomb. Sure. Was it silent, but deadly? It, it looked very loud. At the end of the countdown, there was no sound. It was just a flash of light. So who knows? Maybe the bomb was
1: named Harpo. I don't know. And if it was, that bomb's hysterical. Sure is.
0: Ugh. Only if it's named Harpo. That's right. <laughs> Nothing that bombs, not funny. Named Harpo, hysterical. So the bomb detonates, the fridge goes flying, and Indy survives a nuclear blast without so much as a concussion. If you Google, can you survive a nuclear blast
1: in a fridge, you will get many, many an article that says, absolutely not.
0: Aw, man, I thought this was like a documentary. Nope. Like I said, grounded in reality, this one. That's right. (laughs) Just like
1: Brian stated, and he's going to make a grand argument for later. Oh, I never said grand. He's going to get up on his soapbox and he's going to sit all of us down and say, Now you listen here about Indiana Jones and the
0: Kingdom of the Crystal Skull being grounded in reality. Hey, you weren't supposed to remind people of that. I thought that was going to be one of those we get there, we'll get there's that we never get to. I'm not going to allow that. <laughs> Crap, I better start formulating an argument then.
1: Yes, you should. We'll get there's like our plot device of moving this forward. And I am putting it literally this time.
0: Ugh. I don't much appreciate that, but I guess we'll get there. <laughs> Naturally, after such an incident, Indy is hosed down of all that deadly radiation and immediately interrogated by two FBI agents. Agent Taylor, played by Joel Stoffer, who you might recognize as Enoch from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. if you're up on your comic book TV shows. And Agent Paul Smith, played by Neil fucking Flynn. And Dave, I have another one of what I suspect is one of your trivia facts here. Okay. Neil Flynn was originally supposed to play Jan Itor in this film, but they gave him the more generic name of Smith instead. Yes. You got me. You're two for two. Good job. I want this whole movie to be a John Dorian fever dream.
1: <laughs> That'd be amazing. I think it would be even better, though, is if when Indy's walking out of the room and like an, a door opens, like a sliding glass door, but then doesn't close, and you have Neil Flynn go over to it, looks up at it, and then he looks at Indy and goes, you put a penny in the door? I mean, that would be absolutely amazing. <laughs> then you just have this guy bullying Indiana Jones the entire movie.
0: I love the idea of these two FBI agents there to interrogate him and accuse him of putting a penny in the door instead of being a communist. <laughs> <laughs> Better movie? Different movie. Sure. <laughs> I would also just like I would just like Todd to show up at any given moment and be like, MacGuffin 5. Love it. I love it so much. Luckily for Indiana Jones, General Ross is there to vouch for him not being a communist, and then we pretty much move out of there immediately, because Indy's got to go back to work. But it seems like none of his students now think he's hot anymore because he's so old, which means when the feds come and rifle through his stuff to make sure he isn't a dirty commie, Dean Charles Stanforth, played by Jim fucking Broadbent, has to place him on a temporary leave of absence with full pay. You know, just the worst. He got the... Bad end of the stick? Is that... That's he, not
1: a saying, but... He got one end of the he, stick, he that's for sure. Yeah, the... You don't work, but we give you money!
0: Suck it! No, oh, I hate this. I'm leaving. I like that Dean Charles had to give up his own job in order for Indy to get this sweet deal, and I don't really know how that works, but we can just go with it, I guess. Well, we're meant to just go with it,
1: because as much as I love Jim fucking Broadbent, this movie sets it up that there's a history between him and Indy, that we just don't know about and that there should have been stakes here where I gave up my job for you. Oh, such a deep thing to give up.
0: I really appreciate that guy who I just found out exists five minutes ago. We don't know who you are. There are no stakes here. I feel like the whole Indiana Jones filmography has a, tendency to introduce characters like, hey, we've known this guy for years, remember? It's like, this is the first movie. What are you talking about? It's true, and sometimes it works really, really well. In this
1: one, not so much because he's clearly just doing the Marcus Brody role of walking into the classroom midway, and all the students going like, what's with all the old people walking into our classes?
0: <laughs> I like this one because usually Marcus Brody would just hang out until the end, and then they would go talk, but this guy, he's just like, what do you want? What do you want? I want you to tell me right now what you want. I'm not waiting till the end of class. You're not Marcus Brody. You got to earn that right to wait. Exactly. The problem is that Marcus Brody is dead. That is a pretty big problem for Marcus Brody. And so is Henry Jones Sr. So now having no Marcus Brody, no dad, and an indefinite paid vacation, Andy decides he's going to head on out of town. And while he's on the next train to New York, a punk kid on a motorcycle, played by Shia LaBeouf, yep, yells at him through the train window, so he changes all of his plans. So you have these two guys in suits following Indy onto this
1: train, and then out of the fog, you have this kid just on a motorcycle drive up next to a train.
0: I mean, I feel like that happened all the time in the fifties—just kids riding their motorcycles next to the train, looking for old men to yell at. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
1: Uh, Welcome to the movie, Shia LaBeouf. I have mixed feelings about you.
0: Yeah, you know what? I don't think he's that bad.
1: No, and that's why I have the mixed feelings about him. I think he's actually pretty good in this movie. I'm not going to go there, and I will tell you why later. Okay. I'm like afraid to say we'll get there, because I don't want to be held accountable.
0: (laughs) Now that we're holding each other accountable for our we'll get there's, anything's on the table. What's happening right now? This movie's breaking us apart. You changed the rules. I did, because though. I said some outlandish shit, hoping you'd just brush it under the rug. <laughs>
1: uh, not today. It's a real small rug. It came out the other side. You will get there. Ugh.
0: All right. So these two go to have a talk at the local eatery where Mutt Williams finally introduces himself, which I imagine led to a really, really awkward walk over to the restaurant. But now he's like, <laughs> hey, by the way, I'm Mutt Williams. And they get to talking about Harold Oxley which is a person they both know. Uh Uh-huh. Mutt tells Indy that his mother Mary is in trouble after she went looking for old ox. And seemingly, only Indy can help. And I love, while they're having
1: this whole conversation, there is some really, really good blocking and choreography happening here that Shia LaBeouf is actually crushing. Because you have the waitress come over holding the tray of beers and he grabs the beer And they keep the conversation going, and in the middle of it, he grabs the comb, starts combing his hair back, which apparently George Lucas showed him how to do, because George Lucas was a greaser back in the day. Oh, wow. Then you have Harrison Ford grab the beer, put it back in the tray, and the waitress never noticed that a whole 12-ouncer was just missing from her arm at a point. But there's a lot happening while these two are just having a conversation. And this is kind of a Spielberg touch of gold here, because he's good at making these mundane things interesting to look at.
0: Yes, there's a lot going on in the scene, but not in a distracting way. Right, it's just, it keeps you engaged, and it's it's a masterstroke because Stephen fucking Spielberg.
1: Oh yeah, he's showing off a lot in this movie in quite a few things that he's doing.
0: Well, with a hundred eighty-five million dollar budget, I'd hope he'd show off a little bit. <laughs> Imagine if he
1: just pocketed the whole thing, just made Indiana Jones on like a two million dollar budget. Now, just said like, huh? You like it? See what I did? What do you guys think? You said go back
0: to basics. and Oh boy, did I? I got the kid from Holes. (laughs) Before they can get into the details, the two KGB agents that are following Indy try to capture them. So they cause a ruckus with a classic diner brawl and escape into the streets. The mean streets of New Haven. That's true. And I have another actual MDB trivia fact. It turns out the girl who punches Mutt Williams... In the diner scene is Sasha Spielberg, daughter of director Steven Spielberg and Kate Capshaw, who, of course, played Willie Scott in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom.
1: Well, there you go. You got the family involved. It's
0: a family affair.
1: A lot of nepotism
0: going on, apparently. Does that mean I have to suss out one of yours again? Yeah, go for it. All right. This film provides scientific data proving that the Earth is flat.
1: That's absolutely correct. And according to the IMDb <laughs> facts... Brandon Jones, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the Earth is flat.
0: Yeah, you and they just did it. allowed it. And this movie proves it. And IMDb is like, yes, true.
1: Well, let me just see what trivia we have today. Oh, the Earth is flat. Oh, I remember the map scene. That map was flat when I traveled with the red line. That was a flat. Ma- hey, Earth is flat.
0: Publish that fact immediately. People need to know. You need to approve it. Also, move it to our homepage. The world needs to know. Oh, if there was like a most recently added IMDb <laughs> Trivia Fact section on the homepage.
1: I would abuse this even more than I already am.
0: Yeah, new goals for sure. Earth is
1: flat according to this movie and IMDb
0: Trivia Facts. So because of this classic diner brawl, Indy and Mutt escape into the streets and they start a whole chase scene where Indy rides in the back of Mutt's motorcycle through the Yale campus and the streets of New Haven.
1: Shia LaBeouf actually riding the motorcycle, Harrison Ford actually on the back of the motorcycle. Shia LaBeouf only learned to ride this thing a few months before,
0: and that's got to be a little scary to do. Yeah, I bet.
1: But when this thing shot in New Haven, this was an event, and this is a location person's nightmare. Oh, no. Whenever you do something like this, even a chase scene, it's difficult. But when you do a period chase scene, forget about it, because now you need to go talk to all those storefronts that are only going to get a quarter of a second of screen time You got to cut deals with them to dress up their shop fronts in order to be period that you're never, ever going to see. And also you're disrupting their businesses for days at a time while you do this. Oh, I read on this thing. There was a metric fuck ton of production assistance. Typically on a movie, you have, I don't know, maybe eight, maybe 10 going on enough to like lock up a location from keeping people from walking in onto it so they don't ruin the shot. Sure. For this. They said they had around 30 production assistants and 40 policemen wow. and security people, which is enormous. That's insane. My location brain shattered when I read that because of how much work goes into this. And apparently like on the quad at the school, they were showing like the Indiana Jones movies and having all the food from all the different movies. Like It was a big celebration. It was a big event in New yeah. Haven itself. And they even got on the radio and TV and newspaper saying, just avoid this area during this time. Oh, no. It's like, why are you drawing attention to this to keep people out? But then, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Hey, they're filming the new Indiana Jones movie right now downtown, but don't go. Don't you go down there and try to, you know, get found. They didn't call it Indiana Jones. Everyone knew it,
1: obviously. It was called Genre. Genre. Was the working title. Oh, all right. This production in New Haven was enormous, though. I can't stress that enough. How big this was, and they also had to get permission to do all these cool motorcycle stunts in the actual halls.
0: That's phenomenal. I love that.
1: I am so impressed what they pulled off here.
0: <laughs> it, really it looks is impressive. awesome.
1: Like that area in and- New Haven is so old and beautiful. And man, did they get it right.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because, like, watching the movie, I immediately was like, oh, hey, I know where that is. Because I lived in New Haven for two years. And I was like, oh, okay, that's Crown Street. That's what we're doing here. Uh huh. Right. That's exactly what they're doing here. But it was really cool. I was like, all right, that looks proper old fashioned. Oh, yeah. Yale's gorgeous. So I did not realize out. that the interior scenes were still shot at Yale. I figured that they would have done those on a back lot somewhere or something. But
1: I don't know if they mixed any studio into it. But I know that they did get permission in order to drive motorcycle
0: inside. That's wild. I love it. And you get a fun cameo from Chet Hanks before he, you know.
1: Chet Hanks all over his life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, before White Boy Summer. That's right. (laughs) He still looked like a Hanks back then. That's true. And now he looks a little bit more like Aaron Paul than anything, I feel like. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can see that. Not with the same acting chops, I'd imagine. No, 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 no. So it turns out Mutt brought him a letter from Oxley written in an ancient South American language. And Indy discovers that it's a riddle and deduces the MacGuffin Oxley went to huntin, which is an elongated crystal skull, must be found in Nazca, Peru. Well, all right. Now we know where we're going. So Indy and Mutt get to map graphicking. And they map graphic hard and we interrupt this transitional map graphic to give you footage of Mutt taking care of his motorcycle in the airplane so we know how it got to South America with them <laughs> I'm
1: because glad he's they tied that up
0: definitely going to be using that in the upcoming scenes right <laughs> it's not the motorcycle's basically gone after this i don't know why they took the time they should just put it in the fridge you know what i've heard that that's very good for motorcycles especially if there's going to be an atomic explosion or a nuclear explosion whatever you want to call it
1: i don't know big bomb went boom Yes. Harpo may or may not have been involved.
0: Indy and Mutt go to a local sanatorium where Oxley was previously held because he had gone completely cuckoo banana pants. Oh, yeah. And in his gigantic cell, they discover skulls and the <laughs> word return carved into the wall in a bunch of different languages.
1: That cell isn't even just big. It's comically big. I think it's bigger than my apartment. It's enormous. And Indy does the thing again where he has to climb on something
0: just a little bit higher. In order to oh, see yeah. the ground. <laughs> he learned his lesson in the last crusade. You got to get up top so you can see the clues better.
1: And me and Brian have talked about this off mic also. The X in last crusade. Yeah. You can see it on the ground. It doesn't completely disappear, but it does not line up at all. And I, I still think, I don't know. I don't know. You're saying trick of the light. I'm saying continuity error.
0: Yeah. That's, that is our disagreement in a nutshell.
1: Perfect. Right in. Tell us what you think. Last Crusade. Go on back. Enjoy the movie again.
0: Try to enjoy it. Junior! And it's a good thing Indy got to the high ground again, because he was right. Oxley had carved into the floor the location of the Oriana Cradle, the final resting place of the Spanish conquistador, who had been searching for the skull in the 1500s before he vanished mysteriously. Ooh! So they go to there.
1: Uncle <laughs> <Look at> Liz <laughs> Lemon? Yep. It's so good if Harrison Ford goes... Uh, yes, I, uh, I want to go to there. Uh, <laughs>
0: That's been excellent.
1: Get off my Geritol.
0: <laughs> <laughs> On their way to the tomb, they fight a bunch of natives protecting the grave site, including Kino from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, <laughs> Ernie Reyes Jr. Uh-huh. And he meets an unfortunate reverse blow dart fate. Yeah, it's not what you want. You don't want to see an
1: Indiana Jones man pop up and blow a
0: blow dart into your mouth. That's unsanitary. Literally the opposite of what you want in that situation. Uh (laughs) And as far as booby-trapped hidden tombs go, this one is pretty pedestrian, which is good because it's mutts first.
1: That's true. You really got to break the kid in.
0: And I have another actual IMDb trivia fact here. Oh, boy, you are loaded with them right now. And I'm actually curious about this one because... I found a couple because I know you said you had seven, and I found nine. And oh two of no, these, I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping we can attribute to one of our listeners, and this is one of them. Yeah, when Mutt hands him the knife in the burial chamber, Indiana fails to say thank you, which Boy Scouts use to indicate that they safely have the knife. The prologue of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade revealed that Indiana was a Boy Scout in his youth. It's not one of mine. I hope it's one of our listeners that submitted that one because i feel like tonally it's in the right vein i think you're right also
1: we are very much encouraging everyone to submit imdb trivia facts (laughs) i cannot stress that enough that we want to take over imdb trivia (laughs) so if you submit a fact if brian gets it if brian doesn't get it write in either way email capepodcast at gmail.com let us know if he got it or if he missed it. But please, 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 right in time to be trivia facts. We want to take it over.
0: Absolutely. So they reach the tomb of Francisco de Oriana and find hidden underneath his body the super magnetic elongated crystal skull of legend.
1: And I love how they're kind of just cutting into these mummified corpses in a way. Yeah. yeah. And like you see them, they look like they're fully intact, like they just died yesterday, as Mutt says. And then CGI takes over and makes them all crumble right before their eyes because oh air doesn't agree with them.
0: Oh it's five hundred years there's no air inside the mummy. <laughs> Fresh air. It, you know, it's it got very em. great for people, bad for dead bodies. Right. We
1: get it, Steven Spielberg, you made a World of Worlds movie and you don't like air.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. ILM has all these new toys that we have to play with. Got it.
1: George Lucas needs something else to jerk off to. (laughs) Crumbling skulls might as well do. I don't know what his kink is. I don't want to know. I feel like we'd all be better
0: off not knowing. And yet. And yet. (laughs) I don't know. It probably has something to do with severe age differences.
1: Historically, good chance. Just from how he casts movies and how he writes them. I don't think it's an IRL situation.
0: I mean, I hope not. I hope not. As they emerge from the tomb, MacGuffin in hand, as is often the case for Indy, the bad guys are outside waiting for him. Yes, they are! So lucky us, we get a second map graphic. Yes! And this one brings us up just north to the Amazon River and then over to Aramaca, Brazil. Cool! South America movie, fully. Good, we haven't been there yet in any of these. This works. Mac greets the restrained Indy, and they get into a whole conversation about his betrayal, and Mac is like... It's just like in Berlin. And before they have time to really dive into that, Spalco shows up at the tent, dropping tons of exposition about controlling people's minds and whatnot.
1: This movie is very exposition heavy. Yes. Which I do think is a bit of a problem, but we will get there yet again.
0: Once again, it's something we'll get to. Hold me to that one. I dare you to. I have a feeling that one might come up during the Superstuff score. (laughs) Yeah, it will. So it's kind of an empty dare. I'll find a better one to hold you to. <laughs> one that'll be more more for me. Good luck. The story passed down over the centuries was that the person who returns the skull to Akator will receive the full power of the skull. And Indy's like, you're crazy, lady. And she's like, am I? Check out this literal alien, bro. It's got crystal bones. You know what? Good on her for just dropping that. <laughs> she was like, you were there when we got this thing, and now you get to look at its skull and see. Very similar. It's pretty awesome that she just raised the stakes herself. Like, all right, that's
1: actually a pretty cool villain move.
0: Yeah, it is. Now, the Soviets know that Professor Oxley knows the way to the lost golden city of El Dorado, which is the same thing as Akator. But he looks into the eyes of the crystal skull a little bit too long. And as we previously determined, went completely cuckoo banana pants. Right. That brain kind of just melted. Right. So they're like, let's try it on Indiana Jones. (laughs) Yes. Let's try it on a guy who's just a little younger. Right? Right? I think. Maybe. Barely. Professor Oxley, by the way, John fucking Hurt. And John fucking Hurt is next level good in this. In everything, but yes, especially this. So they make Indy look into the skull's eye holes, and now he can kind of talk to Oxley. Kind of. They understand each other. Barely. And Harrison Ford here does really
1: good old man acting, because that's the only way I can put it. (laughs) It's kind of like the direction that Steven Spielberg must have given him is like, Harrison, I just need you to sit there and stare like you're watching TV. And it's 11 a.m. and you just found out that for some reason the Price is Right is not going to be on today. That's the reaction (laughs) I need you to have.
0: All right, got it. So just, like, mildly perturbed, but then really mad for no reason.
1: (laughs) Exactly. You're going to do great.
0: To make Indy cooperate, they threaten Mutt. And Mutt is like, bring it on, man. I don't care. So, like, fine. How about her instead? And they trot out Mutt's mother, Marion Ravenwood, Karen fucking Allen. She's back.
1: And she was pissed off the whole time making this because she was so excited to be back. And she couldn't tell anyone.
0: Yeah, that's, that's got to be rough.
1: And she was like the only secret character on this movie. So they were like shuttling her privately, putting her in rooms in the hotel under different names and whatnot. And when they finally did announce it, she was like, oh, thank God.
0: And while Indy is like, all right, I guess I got to cooperate now because it's Marion. He's helping them solve the wild ramblings and drawings of Oxley, which in no way look like somebody reaching past him to draw for him. It doesn't look like that at all. So if that's what you're thinking, stop thinking that. Because he's clearly drawing himself and looking off into the distance. It's not somebody (laughs) right next to him or behind him reaching past him.
1: Movie magic. You knock it off. But I love how his arm is clearly going in a drawing motion. And you have Spalco just go... Oh, auto-writing. I should have noticed that. It's like, yeah, you should have.
0: I mean, what is hand is he not doing? moving like it's <laughs> writing something since he's been on screen.
1: It's the most obvious thing in the world, and I have a lot of issues with this movie, and this is one of them. It's like <laughs> just the convenient, smart Colonel Doctor who just turns into an idiot briefly so we can advance the story when it's a little When it's convenient
0: bit. for the plot, yeah. So while Indy is solving these mysterious drawings that came out of nowhere, seemingly...
1: And how do they know that he started the beginning of the clue? Like, the guy's waving his arm in the air like he's a goddamn wizard as he's doing a drawing motion. And they just, like, put it top left. like, that's the beginning now. It's like, how do we know?
0: (laughs) He's clearly started over once we handed him the pencil, right?
1: Yeah, right. He's hit the reset button in his crazed
0: state. Pencils do weird things to people. (laughs) That's right. And 50's probably (laughs) lead poisoning. Well, just like the inside of that fridge, I imagine. (laughs) That's right. And
1: let's go back to the fridge for one more hot second (laughs) because after the fridge lands it opens up and indy just rolls out of it and then just like any other normal human being he goes and stands on a cliffside watching the mushroom cloud and he might as well just be standing there like tim robbins at the end of shawshank in the rain just absorbing all that radiation
0: (laughs) give me that sweet sweet radiation
1: Makes no sense to me. Indy should have grown out third arm or died. That's the only way this movie should have ended.
0: I completely agree.
1: Except Indy with a third arm is somehow even more of a threat, and I love it. And now I want that.
0: Now, it's funny that you bring that up, because we did get an email this week. Regarding third arms? Regarding radiation. Okay. This comes from Cubicle Monkey, and he says, So after re-watching the fridge scene, I have another stupid question. <laughs>
1: okay there's no stupid question when it comes to the fridge scene I want to put that out there right away it's a stupid (laughs) scene therefore stupid questions are
0: kind of required for it exactly thanks to comic books we all know that radiation gives you sweet superpowers so if Indy hadn't chickened out and hid in the fridge what powers do you think he would have gained by getting (laughs) a little 10 megaton tan that's a
1: fantastic question
0: and he finishes thanks for everything looking forward to when you guys cover Indiana Jones 5 the search for more money (laughs)
1: Four, actually, <laughs> if
0: you look at the way this thing's put together. <laughs>
1: I don't know why, but I pictured Indiana Hulk, like, right away. Indy Hulk? Yeah, I think that's what I want, because, I mean, Harrison Ford already speaks like the Hulk, so you might as well just
0: go all in. <laughs> that's fair. I imagine that his arm just gets replaced by a whip. <laughs> okay. Just one of his arms becomes a whip. Why not both of them? He could just be the new whiplash. Well, because then it'd be too much like snakes. That's a good point. It would probably I don't know why two out. is more like snakes than one. <laughs> than but... <what? laughs> well, I became the thing I'm afraid of.
1: What are you afraid of? Well, no one ever says snake. That's, That's true. true. I'm afraid of snake. No, you're not.
0: No, you're not. Pliskin? That's a weird thing to be scared of. <laughs> no, that one criminal from The Simpsons. <laughs>
1: Oh, there you go, Cubicle Monkey. We got some powers for Indy. That's fantastic.
0: How appropriate, though, if he, if he did become like Snake Man and be like Batman. He's afraid of bats, so he, you know.
1: I am so happy he never became Snake Man. I'm so happy.
0: Hey, wait for number five. There's still time. You're right. Hopefully there's a subplot dealing with the cancer he got from this <laughs> radiation.
1: <laughs> He's loaded with it. He has cancer coming out the ears from what he just did. No, but they scrubbed him off afterwards. Oh, remember? that's true. That's a good point.
0: <laughs> they they brushed the radiation off of him, and he he was like, "Hey, stop brushing my naughty bits." I doubt
1: he ever said that.
0: He did make them move the brush. So yeah, but you know, and they said, "Cut." All right, now get back down there. Get
1: onto my naughty bits. What? That's opposite of what you usually say,
0: Harrison. <laughs> More brushes. <laughs>
1: He needs more and less brushes.
0: (laughs) Make it bleed. What?
1: Oh my God, Harrison!
0: Get off my back. There it is. He's back. I went full Christian (laughs) Bale on him, though, which is appropriate because he's Snake Man. That's
1: true. I hope you're happy, Cubica Monkey. You've broken us. (laughs) Thank you for your email.
0: (laughs) So while India's cooperating and helping them solve the wild ramblings and drawings of Oxley, Mutt goes on the offensive, allowing for the four of them to get away. They make a run for it, only for Indy and Marion to end up in a dry sand pit, which is not quicksand, but it's quicksand. That's right. Mutt runs off to find a way to pull them from the sand while Oxley goes to get help. Because, you know, send the crazy man to get help. While the two of them are away, Marion reveals to Indy that Mutt is his son, Henry Jones Third. Yeah, they were dying. Why not say this stuff now? It are not going to have a lot of time. It's like, hey, by the way, that's your kid. Ah, you should have made him finish school.
1: And I like how we get this new dynamic now that's been set up, because you already have a fun bit of a dynamic between Indy and Mutt, and now you get yeah. to throw the mommy in there, and now you have an official daddy situation, even though you don't have Maury there to make it official. Official. No, we'll get there. You can hold me to the Maury one. Fair enough. <laughs> We're about to get to a really complicated scene that I have so many questions about, because Mutt's going to return to the sand
0: pit, the dry sand, not the quick sand. That's still, right. The dry sand is still fast. Very important to delineate between the two. And he returns with a snake. A big old snake.
1: Big python. And I'm not talking Hulk Hogan here. I'm talking about an actual python. He throws it to his mommy first because that's what he should do. Ladies Absolutely.
0: first. He says it's a rat snake. It's not. Rat snakes aren't that big.
1: He's right. Marion's able to get out of the hole by holding the snake. Gets out no problem. He throws it to Indy. And my question is, is that Harrison Ford, he must weigh buck ninety, probably? Yeah, easy. And he's stuck in a sand hole? Correct. How fucked is this snake's vertebrae by pulling a grown man <laughs> out of a sand hole?
0: Oh yeah, that snake's not surviving.
1: No, it's not. But then you get a whole fun bit here because Indiana Jones is scared of snakes and this is the most cowardly he's ever been on screen.
0: Oh, easily. He's never been this affected by snakes before.
1: But I love when he says, go find a rope, and much reaction is, what are you talking about? He, we're in the middle of the jungle. We're going to find no a Sears rope. There's no Sears and Roebuck. Oh, man. It's a good scene. If it is a good scene. not forced, but it's a good scene.
0: I agree. Once they're all out, Oxley returns with all the Soviets in tow. You know, help.
1: Yeah, it's not great, but he's very proud of himself, and we're very proud of him. Yeah, we are. But also... Mutt throws this giant-ass snake back into the forest. (laughs) Like, if PETA knew what was going on, they would have flown all these choppers down and been like, get off our snakes, please. (laughs)
0: What what are you doing? First you broke its back and then you (laughs) threw it back into the jungle? You can't do that. You can't do that. A paralyzed
1: snake is the most useless thing in the world.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we, we were just calling it a rope a second ago and I forgot that it's a living thing.
1: Right, good job, you just created a speed bump. Not so much a living creature anymore.
0: It won't be for long.
1: (laughs) No, it won't. (laughs) See that snake just sitting there, it's like, do you have any idea who I am? I was in that movie. Can you please crawl in front of my mouth? I can't do anything about this. Please crawl in front of my mouth.
0: (laughs) Feed yourself to me, I'm famous. (laughs) He probably has a stand somewhere, I'm sure. And now that they know which direction to head to find Akator, the Soviet convoy heads out the next morning with Indy, Mutt, and Marion tied in the back of a truck with Dovchenko, first try. Nailed it. Who's really getting sick of their weird personal issues, what with everyone discussing that Indy is Mutt's father and all. What else does he want them to do? Like, this is actually interesting what they're discussing. He should love this. But he's like, ah, you guys shut up. I'm trying to find the place where we got to bring the skull to. No, you're not. You're in the back of the truck with us. You're just the watchman. You're the bitch. That's right, Dovchenko. What do you think of that? You tell him. But in that classic, I'm tied up but still in control way that only Indiana Jones can pull off, he... And apparently mutt, too, so not the way that only Indiana Jones can pull off, but his offspring also. (laughs) Right. They kick Dovchenko in the face a few times, get free of their restraints, take over the truck, blast the Russian deforestation machine that's leading the convoy, and start a whole insane chase. That's
1: right. And this deforestation thing just has a big old saw blade on the front of it that's spinning around, and it goes flying at a point. It does. And it starts just rolling for forever and chopping everything in its way. Just in the direction where it just came from, because that's where our characters are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nothing nothing slowing down this saw blade. Nope. Not even, you know, engines of vehicles.
1: That's right. This is a Fern Gully wet dream right here. (laughs) But yeah,
0: this chase. There's a whole lot of jumping between moving vehicles, ducking under machine gun fire, normal chase stuff. But then you get cross duckboat sword-fighting Mac reminding Indy that they were double agents in Berlin. Triple cross. Tarzan shows up and demands a paternity test because of Mutt's monkey-inspired vine swinging. That's where Maury comes in from the we'll get there early. That's
1: fair. Congratulations on getting
0: there. There's playing bumper cars by a giant cliff and eventually a giant swarm of huge killer ants.
1: So some of this stuff is really cool and some of this stuff is really lame.
0: But when you <laughs> yes. say it out loud... It's all pretty lame. It sounds pretty lame the whole way through, and it doesn't help that it's like half an hour of the movie.
1: It's so long. And these giant killer ants, I want to talk about them in great detail.
0: Should absolutely talk about these giant killer ants some more.
1: Steven Spielberg was really excited that he didn't have to go and get billions and billions of insects for a movie for once, for one of these things. (laughs) And he said, nah, we're just going to get a bunch of giant ants done in post- Then I could just say, no, I need thousands more. And then they could just do it. Yeah. And he said, they're going to look just as real as the real thing. Oh. And in baseball, we call that a swing and a miss. (laughs) Oopsie. Because these ants, well, let's just say they're like version 2.0 from the movie Ants that came out (laughs) 12 years before even this probably or whatever it was. They don't look good. No. And the faces
0: were a weird choice. Yeah, they were, and
1: I guess they're based on real ants. Oh, okay. Like the look of them, at least. But these ants just, they don't give a damn. They will eat anything in their way. Trees, rocks, people. And then they start making ant ladders in order to get up to people who are higher up, like Spalco. Of course. Yeah, so these ants, very, very not realistic, and they should take you out of the movie briefly.
0: Yeah, they might as well have been voiced by Woody Allen. (laughs) That's gross. It is. Now, I, I,
1: I see that you're a Russian lady. I was wondering, can I mail order
0: one of you, but younger? I think I like the ants better not being the ants with a Z version. We need the Dave Foley Bugs Life ant. That's what we need. Yes, absolutely. Much better ant. Luckily, these giant CGI ants naturally avoid the skull. Sure. Why not? And Oxley isn't so incredibly out of his mind to not think of that.
1: No, he lays on the ground holding the skull at the <laughs> ants that are charging, and these ants go around it, but yes. you have Dovchenko and Indy fighting behind where Oxley is laying, and the ants just go, oh no, yeah, we this, don't is, care about this is far enough. Now let's circle up, ants. Yep. <laughs> They'll create this crazy sumo ring here, I guess. it's is
0: the perfect clearing for their bare-knuckle boxing. <laughs> I guess we'll just reconverge on the on the backside and keep marching to wherever we're going to. All that's right, that's cool. Right, all right, Steven Ant, do you think
1: this is far enough? Yeah, I don't feel the weird skull force anymore. Let's circle here.
0: <laughs> Very convenient ants. <laughs> yes, they are. Obviously, Indy wins the fight, and Dovchenko is carried away by the ants into their ant hole. And actually, for as not real as it looks, still pretty cool.
1: This is awesome, and I loved it. It's so, it is
0: awesome. It
1: is like the perfect cherry on top of a not great scene. How you're just like, all right, I'm over it now. That was yep. awesome.
0: All right, they leaned in. They went real silly with it in the best way possible. Oh, yeah. When it's all said and done, Indy, Marion, Mutt, Oxley, Mac, and the Skull are all on board a duck boat riding down the Amazon River toward Akator while Spalco and her soldiers trail them.
1: It's not so much a chase anymore as now it's just, we're going
0: that way. That's That's where we're headed. Catch Up If You Can, I guess. No, he
1: did Catch Me If You Can a few years before that, the Spielberg. Oh, That's
0: right. My bad. My bad. A whole lot less Leo in this movie.
1: That's true. About 100% less. Or a Robert Irvine Gentleman's 90.
0: Yeah. There's only about 50% less Hank in it, though. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's a problem. Isn't it? Like, a Spielberg-Hanks
1: ratio should be 100 or 0. There should never be any in between.
0: You know, I would actually watch a movie with Colin, but not Chet. No, Chet shouldn't be a person. Luckily, they only gave him a cameo. That's true. (laughs) Now, you can't have a group of protagonists on a river and not have a waterfall. So Indy and company go down three.
1: Yeah, and Ox says there's three falls. And for some reason, it takes them after one waterfall to recognize that there's three waterfalls. And it's like some sort of light bulb moment for Indy. It's like... Buddy, what else do you think he was talking
0: about? Three falls is the most blatant thing he rambles on about. (laughs) Of all the weird shit he says, that one's like, all right, there's probably going to be three waterfalls. And then there are, and they survive, all three of them. They sure do. At the bottom, behind a waterfall that's coming out of a skull-shaped rock, they come to the entrance to the hidden city of Akator. And I love this
1: because... Doesn't Indy, like, say the riddle or whatever, and then they look up, they see the skull behind the waterfall? And Mutt's the one who gets excited about it. He's yeah. the one like, we got to go through there. And you get that nice look from Indy and, Mary, and I'm just like, oh, boy.
0: Oh, uh, what have we done?
1: That's the paternity test right there, if there's ever been one.
0: Boom. Maury not needed anymore. We figured it out, even though that Tarzan bit was still a little suspicious. But It was very
1: suspicious.
0: The monkey swinging is the part that gets me every time with this movie.
1: Yeah, it should take you right out. It is awful, and Steven Spielberg should write a public apology about it.
0: (laughs) Shia LaBeouf tried to apologize for it, but it was before the movie came out, and Steven Spielberg was like, no, you can't do that. Well, let me ask you this.
1: If George Lucas were to write an apology letter to fans, and he had one thing to apologize for, Oh, God. should it be Shia LaBeouf monkey swinging or Jar Jar Binks? Both are equally unwanted in everything. I'm kind of leaning Jar Jar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fair.
0: So, behind this waterfall is a cave entrance to this hidden city.
1: I'm going to say to this cave. <laughs> <laughs> There's a cave entrance to this
0: cave. Yeah, sometimes you get cave entrances to caves. Inside this cave are a bunch of paintings with these big old heads, these guys with big old heads. And they're teaching people about things like aqueducts and technologies unheard of in such an ancient civilization. And Andy's still like, I don't know, probably not aliens. You know, for a smart guy, he can be kind of stupid. Yeah, I mean, he's seen all sorts of weird stuff, but never aliens.
1: (laughs) Right. That's never happened. 18 years ago or whatever it was. Definitely met a ghost knight in a cave and drank (laughs) out of the holy grail and poured it on my daddy's tummy and Alka seltzer came off or whatever. (laughs) But no, aliens? No, 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 no.
0: All right, now you've crossed a line. Definitely
1: didn't open a box on an island and everyone's faces literally melted as ghosts (laughs) flew around.
0: Well, his eyes were closed for that. That's true. He didn't actually see that.
1: Totally watched a guy rip a man's heart out of his chest while it was still beating meatloaf style.
0: <laughs>
1: but no, no, no,
0: these not are aliens. Very earthly based phenomenon.
1: <laughs> I talked to rocks and they lit on fire in a man's hand.
0: Yes, all of this happened,
1: but it wasn't aliens. That's true. When you say again out loud the events of the Indiana Jones
0: franchise, it all sounds pretty goofy. Uh huh. And for some reason, this is what people get hung up on. Who who knows? You know, maybe it's just because of how incredulous Indy was the whole movie that people were like, "Yeah, he's right. This is crazy." Maybe
1: that's true. Right. Maybe we got way too deep into like the ride the Indy train. Anything he says goes. That yeah, he's such a good actor in this movie that he fooled us all.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Maybe we should just get off of that train. That's right. (laughs) On the other side of the cave, they come to a field with a giant temple and a bunch of natives who are not happy to see them. Luckily, Oxley whips out the skull again, and they all circle around him like the ants did. That's right. They avoid our protagonists, who are now approaching the Palace of Eternity. Meanwhile, Spalco is following tracking devices that are leading directly to the entrance of Akator.
1: I wonder how those got there.
0: Nobody could possibly have any idea how. Moving on. Indian company knock a bunch of blocks off the top of an obelisk so a bunch of sand pours out, which triggers the thing to open up and they fall and then have to climb down a rapidly disappearing staircase into the ancient tomb slash palace slash whatever this place is. Right. All that. I have an actual trivia fact about that. Okay. 20,000 pounds of sand needed to be used in each take for the big set when the opening forearms through which Indiana Jones and the other characters fall.
1: Two things about what you just read was, Bravo somehow reading that because I saw (laughs) your face struggle. (laughs) And two, Matthew Broderick style.
0: That's a lot of sand. 20,000 pounds each take. I don't know about that. I didn't type it, but that
1: could be some bullshit too.
0: It sounds like maybe some bullshit. Speaking of bullshit, I think that means I have to read one of your bullshits. That's true. I suspect that this one was one that you submitted. No one asked for Shia LaBeouf to be in this film. No one. That's true! And yeah, that's one of mine.
1: <laughs> and it is an actual IMDb trivia fact.
0: now. Yeah, it's absolutely... It's nobody He just showed up and they were just like... Just showed up. Get in the movie, I guess. It's not true, unfortunately. Apparently,
1: everybody loved Shia LaBeouf on this movie.
0: He was Steven Spielberg's first choice.
1: Uh-huh. And by all accounts, everyone was just insanely impressed with him and I will give it to him that I've seen him act his ass off and it is impressive when he goes yes. for it
0: yes I agree and I don't think he's bad in this movie I don't think he's good though either but again we'll get there we'll get there they all come to a room loaded with treasure and artifacts and Mac is like finally and starts grabbing a whole bunch of stuff Indian ox head to a mysterious doorway where they hold up the crystal skull and are granted entry into a room where 12 complete and one headless crystal alien skeletons sit on thrones of gold. They finally made it to wherever they are. And Indy's still like, mm, I don't know if it's aliens.
1: <laughs> Looking at these things.
0: Oh, God. Mac draws his gun on the team. Quadruple cross. Got him again. This guy. You can't trust him. Just stop trusting the guy. At some point, you got to like uninvite the guy from your party. He's not even, he's a double agent for the double agents. Actually, he just lied about being a double agent. And I think that's a great line.
1: It is a great line. And I appreciate that. Or else he would just be double agent squared. And it's like, nah, that's complicated. That's just too many
0: agents. That's right. in in one person.
1: At some point, you're going to come all the way back around and just be an agent again.
0: And that's boring. That's super boring. Spalco shows up to drop some late exposition about hive minds and unlimited knowledge. And she places the skull on top of the headless skeleton. Oxley begins speaking Mayan, and Indy translates that the skull is grateful and would like to give them a gift. And Spalco was like, yes, please. And Indy's like, we need to get the hell out of here.
1: (laughs) It's a great reaction because Spalco is all about this. She is a proper scientist. Yes. And she is genuinely interested in what's about to happen. I actually think that if her and Indy teamed up, it would have made for a better movie. because It would have been
0: pretty interesting.
1: They did flirt with that idea a couple times in this movie, as you watch it, of Indy. Recognizing, I think that she is based in science.
0: Yes, but she does also want to psychically control the entire world.
1: Yeah, which is a problem. I'll give you that, Brian. Yeah, yes, yes, Brian. We know she's a bad guy. Yeah,
0: but at the same time, Indy doesn't believe in any of the stuff she's talking about. So he's like, "What's the harm?" Yeah, let's find the place. Exactly. So he does kind of, sort of
1: work with her at two different points in this movie. Yes, that. When you finally get here and they're at this final location that I guess they were looking for the whole time, time for him to bail, smartly.
0: We gotta get out of here. While they all peace out, Spalco receives so much information from the combined being of crystal-skeletoned aliens that her eyes light on fire and she evaporates like Thanos just snapped. Oh, yeah. Indy, Mutt, Marion, and the now sane-again Oxley run to escape the collapsing temple, but Mac is like, money, 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 <laughs> This is the opening of Toy Story. (laughs) And even though he's a quadruple agent, Indy tries to save him, but magnets.
1: I don't know, man, because you see Mac is just piling random bits of treasure all over the place, just onto his person. And then he just falls over and then (laughs) magnets kick in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, those magnets start yanking him toward the spaceship. Yeah. And it's like, how do they work? I don't know. We'll never know. And he's like, come on. He's like, no, I need the gold. Oh, I died. Not even a good death when you think about it. No, he just gets sucked into the collapsing center of the temple. Yep. Kind of boring. Just a little bit. Our heroes make a break for it and are ejected from the temple by a sudden flooding, safely landing outside while the giant flying saucer departs and the entire area is washed away, erasing any evidence of its existence.
1: And I like how this is classic movie here because... They are deposited just outside of the zone of all these giant <laughs> spinning boulders. Of course. <laughs> and Indy gets a good look at the space shuttle or whatever this saucer is. All the rocks kind of stop in midair, and they fall in, and then the water flows over it and races it, as Brian said, and it
0: looks pretty damn awesome. It does. And Indy's still like, maybe not aliens. Maybe not aliens. It's... <laughs> No, it turns out that the real city of gold was the knowledge they gained along the way.
1: Right. Uh, We make that joke often about the friends you made along the way. (laughs) And it turns out in this movie that the city of gold was the knowledge they gained along the way. But Indy's real treasure was,
0: in fact, the family he made along the way this time. Yeah, how about that? And we should mention, there was a lot of gold in in the city. There was so much gold. gold. But there was a lot of it. Tons of it. But everybody's all safe, and Oxley's very confused when Mutt calls Indy dad, and Indy calls him Junior. Junior! Junior! Back in the U.S., Indy is rehired by the school, promoted, in fact, to associate dean. For what? How did he get his job back? I don't know. He never really lost it. So, I guess the FBI just got off his case because he found the (laughs) hidden city that then there was no evidence of. And, I don't know, the communists disappeared, so Indy did good. That's
1: right. There's no more communists out there anymore. So, Indy, you are now associate dean or assistant dean or whatever. <laughs> you are not full dean. No. You still have a superior. Yeah.
0: I mean, you can't just have Indy save the day and then not rehire Charles Stanforth, who he's known for years. That's
1: right. And also, Indy would have been a terrible dean because he just disappears for time. Oh, yeah. He'd be random. the worst. Don't know where he goes. Don't know how he checks out. Like, I only get, like, three weeks vacation time at work. I don't know what he's pulling here.
0: I think it probably helps that every time he leaves, he comes back with some sort of priceless artifact <laughs> for <true>. the school. <laughs> try that on your next vacation. Come back with something invaluable to the company, and maybe they'll give you more time I lost. think
1: that's a very, very good thing I should try to pull. I'm just sort of digging holes around and just be like, yeah. I found this cool arrowhead. That's how it starts. Is that an extra week? No. <laughs> I'm fired. Okay. <laughs>
0: you want to be a good archaeologist, you got to get out of the library.
1: It's not even an arrowhead. I whittled it. I whittled it myself. (laughs) I made this a a kitchen steak knife, so it's got all serrations
0: in it. It looks horrible. Hey, Mister Boss, I made this. Can I have more vacation, please? (laughs) Get out. Get out, please. Did
1: you really spend a whole month
0: whittling an arrowhead? (laughs) You could have got one on eBay for twelve bucks. Oh, damn it! I didn't even think about eBay. Actually. I've never priced out an Arrowhead. That seems steep and or too low. I'm not sure. (laughs) It's definitely not right, whatever it is. On eBay,
1: you could buy an Arrowhead. It's been pre-owned. That's good to know. (laughs) For $12. It's not new in box? (laughs) No, it's not.
0: Wait, is it really $12? Yeah. Uh, I totally priced it out beforehand. Just kidding.
1: Or you could start bidding... On these Cahokia, Mississippian arrowheads, there's a bunch, for $40. Or you can buy it now for $80. I got some bad news for this fella selling it. No one's bidding on this. Especially used. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want these
0: pre-owned. I want never fired. I need pristine new in-box arrowheads. (laughs) (laughs) They're worth more if they're still in the packaging.
1: That's right. That's how you know they're collectible. Never open. You never play with the arrowheads. So,
0: Indy is now Associate Dean, but more importantly, he and Marion finally get married. They did it! I have an actual IMDb trivia fact about the wedding. Okay! John Rhys-Davis was approached to reprise his character, Sala, in a very brief cameo in the wedding scene, but he turned it down because he felt that having Sala just appear as a crowd member would cheat the audience and cheapen the character. You know what I think cheapens the character? Him not being at Indy's fucking wedding. Yep,
1: I think that's appropriate and correct.
0: (laughs) Also, we live in like the age, the golden age of cameos. So it would have been a good one. I would have liked it quite a bit. I agree. At the end of the ceremony, a burst of wind drops Indy's famous hat at Mutt's feet. He bends over, picks it up, and before he gets to put it on, it's swiped away by Indy at the last second.
1: And I love it because Indy puts that bad boy on his head and he walks out. He's got married on the arm. And it's a wonderful, wonderful way to end this movie. But in real life, Harrison Ford went way out of his way to get one of the hats from the movie. And he signed it to Shia LaBeouf. And on the inside brim, he wrote, it's all yours now, kid. Oh, wow. So he actually did pass the mantle.
0: That's insane.
1: And he said that it was incredibly important for him to do that. So if Shia comes back, it is not unwarranted. He's it been is giving the blessing. Harrison
0: Ford's blessing.
1: From Indiana Jones himself.
0: That's huge. Yes, it and is. Then Shia LaBeouf had to go and shoot his mouth during the press tour.
1: Yes, he did. Also,
0: <laughs> I actually have another actual IMDb trivia fact about that, and this is another one that I suspect might be written by one of our listeners. Okay. And it says, both Shia LaBeouf and Karen Allen suffered similar career fates. Both of them starred in a huge Spielberg production, which bolstered their career. And then they dissed Spielberg to the press, and they were both allegedly blackballed by Hollywood for several years. It goes to show you, Hollywood is just high school with money, as the old saying goes. And when you cross the big man on campus, you get sent back to Freshman Hell Week for penance.
1: (laughs) I love the way that's all worded. It's not me. Please let us know if it's you.
0: Please let us know. I hope it's one of you. And because I just read an actual IMDb trivia fact, of course I have to match it with an actual Dave IMDb trivia fact. Yes, you do. The running time for this film is 122 minutes, which is around 25 minutes too long.
1: That's definitely mine, and it's absolutely correct. And also, (laughs) that is Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull from 2008, directed by the Steven fucking Spielberg. Brian, we've now talked about all four Indiana Jones films here in Indiana
0: jones o We've done it. I like this movie. I do too. I don't think there's anything wrong with this movie that isn't already present in the other Indiana Jones movies. It's just as goofy, but it takes it to a different decade.
1: And the reason why they went the alien route is because Harrison Ford's an older guy now. It made sense to age the character into the 50s, where yes. it was all about that B-movie sci-fi. And all these Indiana Jones films are, are B-movie adventure films. Yeah. So this, tonally, still fit the bill.
0: Yeah, it fits the decade that it's set in perfectly. Is it executed well?
1: I don't know about that. I know that they went through a lot of different writers on this thing. George Lucas was
0: apparently pretty difficult to work with in terms of coming up with the story. I guess early on they had M. Night Shyamalan as one of the writers. And he was like, he could not work with Spielberg and Lucas because he was like, first of all, he was like, this is too big for me. I can't do Indiana Jones. But then also he was like, these guys are impossible to work with.
1: Well, this movie's kind of funny, though, because after Last Crusade came out in 89, They really kind of dove in hard on the idea of an Indy 4 right after its release. Right. Spielberg said he was kind of taking a break from it. Lucas said, okay, I guess we can kind of kick this thing around. He went and did young Indiana Jones. Right. And Harrison Ford said, I really want to make more Indiana Jones movies, which if you know Harrison Ford at all, that is unlike him. (laughs) Harrison Ford wants to make more movies. Shit, you better make more. So they started writing this thing back in the early 90s again. And this is kind of Spielberg's golden age of films where you have like an Amistad, a Schindler's List, Jurassic Park. Right. Lucas was really hooked on this idea of doing aliens in the 50s. And Spielberg said, I've done the alien thing a few times over already. I don't want to be the alien guy. This isn't interesting to me. Yeah. So they just kept bringing on new writers. They kept coming up with new story ideas, sort of. Lucas was very, very stingy with his ideas this time around. And that was not really totally like him. And eventually, he kind of, in a way, I feel like made the Star Wars prequels as like a hissy fit in a way. (laughs) Because (laughs) Indiana Jones 4 just wasn't happening. He's like, all right, I'm just going to do my Star Wars thing again then. Fine, I'll go play with
0: my toys over here. That's
1: pretty much how it went. And Spielberg kept working and kept knocking out of the park. You have Harrison Ford, who kept doing his own things as well. But then around, I think it was like 2004, 2005, Harrison Ford gets honored by the AFI, and the whole gang got back together for it, and they all realized, like, wow, we actually really enjoy each other still, so let's make it.
0: Yeah, I want to say Harrison Ford actually said in an interview in 2006 that if it doesn't get made in the next two years, that we should just abandon it completely. And that's when Spielberg was like, all right, let's get on this.
1: All four of these movies have been such a massive collaboration, and they've all worked in their own ways. Yeah. This franchise is incredibly impressive. It's incredibly iconic.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: It might be my personal favorite film franchise. Wow, that's big. But it also could be because I just watched them all and enjoyed them again. I don't know the next time I'm going to watch them because there's
0: been a lot of indie. It's a lot of indie in a short period of time.
1: But I also know we're not the only ones who love these movies. And I say that because even this one, the controversial one, if you will, what do you think it's going on Rotten Tomatoes, 1 to 100?
0: I've been having good luck in the 80s in the last few weeks, but I think this one I'm going to go 79. You should have gone 78.
1: Oh, you were close. close. Audience score is 53%. That's way too low. It is, but you've heard a lot of the flack that this movie gets. Aliens. That's right. They don't exist, according to Indy, even after seeing it, probably. <laughs> Roger Ebert did see this movie, and he gave it 3.5 out of 4 stars. Ooh. He says, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Say it aloud. The very title causes the pulse to quicken if you, like me, are a lover of pulp fiction. What I want is goofy action. Lots of it. I want man-eating ants, sword fights between two people balanced on the backs of speeding jeeps, subterranean caverns of gold, vicious femme fatales plunges down three waterfalls in a row, and the explanation for flying saucers. And... Throw in a lot of monkeys.
0: All the perfect ingredients for a great, goofy action movie.
1: He goes on to say, I can say that if you like the other Indiana Jones movies, you will like this one. And that if you did not, there's no talking to you. And I can also (laughs) say that a critic trying to place it into the hierarchy with the others would probably keep a straight face while recommending the second pound of sausage. (laughs) So, take that for whatever it means. What does that mean? I don't know.
0: (laughs) Roger Ebert and his sausage, you know?
1: Roger Ebert grew up on these types of movies. And when he finally got a cinematic version of these types of serials, he was in heaven. Yeah. Going from Raiders to Temple to Last Crusade to King of the Crystal Skull. Is there a progression or degression in quality? I'm not sure because inherently they're all goofy B-movies when you really, really look under the hood.
0: Blockbuster B-movies.
1: And if you want to even go back to Temple of Doom, briefly, Kate Capshaw is having a lot of trouble with her lines. She wanted to make sure she got it right every single time. And Harrison Ford calmed her down by saying, it's a B-movie, just say the lines. (laughs) And that has to be the headspace that Harrison Ford lived in while he is the character of Indiana Jones, that he's doing a B-movie. I mean, it checks out. $185 million B-movie? That is kind of contradictory, yes. But it still has the bones of a proper B-movie.
0: Yeah. And I love that. stylistically and tonally a B-movie. And then you get to the budget. And that's where, you know, you sprinkle in some of the extras. There's a
1: lot of extras.
0: (laughs) a ton of them, but...
1: Our good friends on Letterboxd, they had some things to say about this movie. Oh, I bet they did. From September 30th, 2020... Gripping drama about a dementing geriatric archaeologist who thinks he's having an adventure, while in reality, he's being spoon-fed porridge.
0: (laughs) Now, see, that's the M. Night Shyamalan version.
1: That's gotta be it. It was a twist the whole time. It was all just a fever dream, because he died in the fridge. (laughs) From January 9th, 2022, it's really no different from the other Indiana Jones movies. I don't really know why it's so hated. Karen Allen is still cute as hell. Could have used more Nazis, though. I love those kooky, wacky guys.
0: (laughs) Not often you hear Nazis referred to as kooky, wacky guys. Not
1: often at all. From September 30th, 2020. Bad from top to bottom. Looks like it was filmed at a rainforest cafe. Harrison Ford was charismatic 40 years ago, but unfortunately, we're still stuck with him. Janusz Kaminski should be in jail for crimes against cinema. And to that I say, fuck you, sir.
0: Wow, that one got really harsh.
1: It did, and Janusz Kaminski is a legend in terms of cinematography. Because not only did he have the hard job of trying to sort of replicate what fucking film legend Douglas Slocum did yeah. for the first three Indiana Jones films, but then he had to make it his own at the same time. Right. And he absolutely did that. And Douglas Slocum actually retired after Last Crusade. And then he lived to 106 years old and only died not too long ago.
0: Yeah, I, I want to say by the time this movie came out, he was basically blind. So. He was they,
1: basically blind. They
0: had to have somebody else do it. And Janusz Kaminski went and mastered another cinematographer's style and then still had... Yeah, no.
1: This is a silly review. Now let's just go over a couple of Janusz Kaminski's Crimes Against Cinema. Basically... Take Steven Spielberg's movies after Schindler's list. Oh, crimes against cinema. And also include Little Giants, Jerry Maguire, and weirdly, Funny People. All right, that's an interesting list. But the guy's done it all at this point, and he is a two time Oscar winner because he did win for Schindler's list and Saving Private Ryan. So you call it crimes against cinema, but I'm sitting here saying, I hope that you get an involuntary colonoscopy one day. <laughs> And the last one I have is from May 21st, 2020. Indiana Jones and the Rise of Skywalker.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, that's harsh.
1: It is harsh and also may not be totally untrue.
0: <laughs> there's hints of it. I can see that.
1: Yeah, there's a certain amount of fan servicing done here, and that's not necessarily a bad thing sometimes. Sometimes that's it great. is. Sometimes it's not.
0: Some Exactly. Sometimes you hit the notes just right, and then sometimes... You have people standing and shouting at the screen before they storm out of the theater.
1: <laughs> Still one of my favorite movie theater moments of all time. Don't you say it. Oh, God. It's the perfect ending ever. For those of you who don't know that story, which I'm pretty sure you've said on here before, is when me and Brian went to see Rise of Skywalker at the end of whatever nonsense we witnessed for two hours <laughs> leading up to it. <laughs> How at the end when Ray is standing there and random person walks up to her and says, Who are you? She says, "Ray." A guy in the front row of our theater just stood up and said, Don't you fucking say it! And she said, Ray Skywalker. And he went, Oh, fuck you! And he stormed out of the theater.
0: Oh.
1: And it was perfect. It was, it was so was good. An epic freakout. It was perfect. But sometimes it does go to show you fan servicing can go just a little too far. Yeah, for sure. How about we give this thing a super stuff score?
0: Let's do that. But first, I just want to mention, yes, We've gone four episodes of Indiana Jones without doing a Kate Podcaster's Theater, but that's because in episode 123 on The Phantom, we did do Keaton Patty, forced a bot to watch a thousand hours of Indiana Jones, and then have it do its own Indiana Jones script. So if you want to listen to the Indiana Jones bot script, Kate Podcaster's Theater, episode 123. Go check it out! Now, let's give this thing a super stuff score. Starting with story and motivation. It's very busy. There's a lot going on, while at the same time, it's pretty linear.
1: It is, but there's so much exposition and talking that it doesn't feel like the first three movies.
0: A lot of things have to be explained because George Lucas wouldn't let them take things out of the script.
1: Yeah, and that's a bit of a problem. So I think the story here is easily the weakest of the bunch. I think it's fair. I kind of want to go like a .25 because I just don't care too much about it. The Crystal Skull itself doesn't have nearly the same appeal as, let's call it a Holy Grail or the Ark of the Covenant. When you see it, you're like, that looks like a movie prop.
0: I agree with that, yeah.
1: So even the MacGuffin isn't terribly effective. I want to go 0.25.
0: 0.25 for story. That's
1: To funny. acknowledge that it's linear and there's action and adventure and it's Indiana Jones, goddammit, it, and I love it, but...
0: Yes, but... It's weak. Agreed. 0.25.
1: Hero. It's Indiana Jones, goddammit, and I love it.
0: It is, and it's an older Indiana Jones, and he's just kind of embracing being an older Indiana Jones, and it's great. It's great. And he
1: still got a lot of compliments for doing a lot of stunts. Yes. And he got himself in really good shape for being late 60s to do
0: this. Absolutely. When he went on set, he still fit in the costume from The Last Crusade.
1: And this character is so, so, so iconic that when Ray Winstone got on set, and even when Kate Blanchett got on set, and they saw Harrison Ford in the costume for the first time they got starstruck yeah because they recognized that holy shit I'm in an Indiana Jones movie
0: that's insane
1: i'm going to go 0.75 cuz it's his weakest of the bunch okay. all
0: right
1: uh because it's very clearly not him a lot too and that's that is true. very different for the whole franchise
0: agreed 0.75 villains kate blanchett is a pretty good job she does a great job she is conniving and clever, crafty. She's always one step behind. I think she's pretty fantastic. She is, and she wants to get her hands dirty.
1: Like, she yes. is in there at all times. She's never backing away from any of these fights. I know we're not talking female characters, but it's awesome that they're one and the same this time.
0: Yes. And let's not forget, she accomplishes her goal. Yes, she
1: absolutely does. Her accent is garbage, but I'm willing to get by it. I'm going to go with a One.
0: <laughs> one. Four villains. I like it. I agree. Parents. We're at a full blown one. We finally get a one because we have a confirmed dead dad. We do. We did it. We finally got the full spectrum of it, going from zeros to a point five to a one. That's fantastic. I love that we get that character progression. One for parents which brings us to female characters. Easy one in my mind. Easy one. Kate Blanchett kills it. Karen Allen, great as always. I read several weeks into production that Harrison Ford saw this blonde woman on set and said, who is that? And it turns out it was Kate Blanchett and he had no idea who she was when she was out of character because she's just that fucking good.
1: She is that fucking good. And she actually also designed her character for the most part, where she was going through old yearbooks from the time trying to pick out how should this character look? And she came up with the haircut because she said that it really emphasized the eyes more. So Mm -hmm. it made it feel like it was even more Like,
0: evil and intimidating. More intense, yeah. I love it. I'm going to go watch. Excellent. One for female characters, even though she was sinking her teeth into those wobble use a little bit too much. Just a lot of it, yes. Just, Just a tad, but still one, because these two are phenomenal. Setting. We are everywhere. We are. We're in the Americas. There is some
1: obvious studio stuff, and I'm okay with it. Sometimes there's a little too much green screen for me. Sometimes. Like when? Like the whole ending. That's totally fair. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole third act I'll go with. Once yeah. they find the temple on, it's Green Screen City, and I don't care for that all that much. I'm going to go 0.5, and it's mostly because I think the New Haven stuff looks really good, but it's also because I know New Haven, so exactly, it feels cool to see that.
0: It's not often you get to see it, and you're like, hey, I know that place, so yeah, I'll agree with the 0.5, plus the amount of work that went into just transforming New Haven into something from the 50s.
1: New Haven is not a hospitable city to film in. at all, and they
0: made it work. <laughs> That's impressive. So, yeah, 0. 0.5 for setting. Style and tone. Stylistically, I love it. Yes. Tonally, yeah, I don't know. There's something that we have neglected to mention over the course of these movies that each movie does that just kind of sets the tone for each of them, and it is the dissolve from the Paramount Pictures logo into that first scene. In Raiders, it goes into Mount Shubat in Peru. And then in Temple of Doom, it fades into that gong. And then in Last Crusade, it's the Arches National Park. And in this movie, it's a gopher hole. And it's like, how much more on point can you be with like, hey, this is going to be real goofy, strap in. So what are you getting at? (laughs) I think it's extremely self-aware. I
1: will absolutely give you that. So what score would you go with?
0: I'm thinking like a 0.75.
1: I think I'm going to agree with you because I was torn between 0.5, 0.75.
0: All right. 0.75 it is then, which brings us to music. Starts at a one because it's John fucking Williams. John fucking Williams. He described composing for Indiana Jones again, like sitting down and finishing a letter that you started 25 years ago.
1: Oh, that is beautiful. The man, even when he just says words, is still writing music. I'm going to go 1.25. It's not spectacular. There's a lot of cool different new motifs, but I really, really hate the music in the Jeep sword fighting sequence because I feel like it's a little too goofy. Okay. But overall, it's good. And John Williams will always start at a one, no matter what. And even that's probably too low for him.
0: Absolutely. But yeah, I, I agree that there's a lot of reusing old motifs from the other movies, and it mostly works, but this, the new stuff that's introduced is doesn't hold up As much as the other stuff does. So, yeah, one, two, five, I think, is the most appropriate score we can give this. Which brings us to one-liners. Not a whole lot. There's a few, though. What do you got? You're a teacher. Part-time. That's a pretty good one. I really like the, no, I just lied about being a double agent.
1: That's also another pretty good one.
0: I like Ike. (laughs) (laughs) I actually do like that one. As far as defiant last words go. Yeah, that's a good one. Big fan.
1: All right, let's go 0.25 to acknowledge that there's stuff there. This is not a movie that gets quoted ever. No, that's true, but... You need to have a very recent rewatch to even understand
0: anything. Yes, 0.25 for one-liners. Final category is impact on the genre.
1: It's going to get another one.
0: Against all odds, and it almost made $800 million, which is just unreal.
1: That is so much money, but at the same time, Should we knock it at all because Steven Spielberg's not coming back? It's a
0: good question because even with this movie, Steven Spielberg was like, "Ah, I don't know. I think I'm done with Indiana Jones. Then he was like, all right, I'll do one more. I read somewhere for this new one that's coming out that he is just passing the torch to another director. He thinks he's done his time with Indiana Jones. Oh,
1: it's not just any old director. No, it's not. It's James fucking Mangold. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's real stuff here.
1: Other actors confirmed to be in this movie? B.B. Waller Bridge.
0: Very exciting.
1: Toby Jones. Uh Uh-oh, there's going to be Nazis. Antonio Banderas. Yep. And more importantly, Mads Mikkelsen.
0: Mads fucking Mikkelsen.
1: I'm extremely excited for it. If you go on IMDb, as you should be there anyway, submitting garbage facts for anything (laughs) you want.
0: Probably for that movie. I don't know.
1: The movie is in production. It is expected out June 30th, 2023. Again, it's according to IMDb, who also says the earth is flat, so just take that for
0: what it's worth. (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> take IMDb with all of the salt.
1: I'm just going to go 0.5, call it a day on this thing.
0: Yeah, that feels like a safe place to land. I like it. That is going to give Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull a 7.25. Yeah, a little high. I was going to say a little low, but... Really? Yeah. All righty. I, I quite like the movie, and I'm just glad that it scored higher than Temple of Doom. Which I
1: very much appreciate, because I do think I like this one more than Temple of Doom. I agree with that. What's your favorite one? I think it's time we maybe look back on Indiana Jones jewelry just a yeah, little bit. Yeah, let's
0: take a look back. I think my favorite is still The Last Crusade.
1: I think that's my favorite as well.
0: Raiders is iconic and just so, so good, but Last Crusade is just such a fun movie.
1: It really is. And do you have like a personal favorite scene from any of these movies, just one that just stands
0: out instantly? I think it has to be No Ticket. It's such a great scene! It's so good. She just throws them out the window and everybody's like, what is happening? He's like, No ticket. So good.
1: I think my favorite's also from Last Crusade, but it's, you chose poorly.
0: (laughs) Also fantastic. I
1: love it. That's like the first thing I think of when I think Indiana Jones, though, is like that scene. All right. So, I just love these movies so damn much. Yeah. This was a great ride. This was, and it's just entertainment. That's all it is. And Spielberg said, he's like, yeah, made these movies for the audience to enjoy. Like, they're not deep cinema or anything like that. Right. It's just- Go for the ride. Enjoy yourself. It's true escapism.
0: Classic popcorn movie.
1: That's all it is. And this has been a hell of a month, and it's a hell of a month that we should continue next week.
0: We sure should. Brian, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we are out of Indiana Jones movies, but there's still one week left in the month, so we will be talking about Brendan Fraser in The Mummy. It's
1: kind of Indiana Jones-esque. In a a way?
0: goofy adventure movie, so I feel like it fits the bill pretty well. And it's Brendan Fraser, and it's really hard to say no to that man. It is. It's impossible, I think. Have you ever seen The Mummy? I've never seen The Mummy.
1: I am so excited for you to finally see
0: this, and I can't wait to talk about it with you next week. I've only heard good things ever, so I'm very much looking forward to it. Until then, rate, review, subscribe. Join us on Patreon this month for Groundhog Day. Join us this month on Patreon for Groundhog Day. And join us this month on Patreon for Groundhog Day. <laughs> okay, leaning in, good. Email us your questions and comments. KatePodcasters at gmail.com. Thank you, Cubicle Monkey, for sending us one this week. And be sure to follow all of our social media at KatePodcasters, especially on Facebook, where every time we record, we put up a post beforehand asking for your questions and comments. And we got one! Mike Lanham says, So the last time I went to a drive-in
1: was 2008. I saw Crystal Skull followed by M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening. Can you think of a worse one-two combo that you had to endure on the same day? Also, he says, haven't revisited either film since or been back to the (laughs) drive-in. It ruined drive-ins for him. Oh, no. The last time I went to the drive-in was 2008, 2009, somewhere in there as well. I remember I saw Funny People and The Ugly Truth back-to-back. Oh, wow. And funny people should not have been called funny people. It should have been called sad people. Sad people, yeah. And the only truth should just been called it's a Gerard Butler movie. I don't know. It's, it's... not going to be any good. <laughs> That's pretty harsh That's on Gerard the whole Butler. Yeah, right. But still, I should have said it's a Catherine Heigl movie. Exactly. <laughs> Apologies to Gerard Butler. Honestly, a Catherine Heigl,
0: Gerard Butler movie, the combination of the two doesn't give me faith. <laughs> it's going to be great.
1: Uh, You know what? That might top the combo that you sat through, Mike.
0: The last time I went to the drive-ins was for Stuart Little and a second movie. And I don't think it matters what the second movie was because (laughs) it was Stuart Little. That's very, very fair. Which means it had to be a very long time ago. Mike, thank you for making us
1: relive our awful past.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much.
1: Brian, you got anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. We're going to see you guys next week for The Mummy. Same pod time? Same pod? Ah, crap. We never got there.